you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Welcome to episode five of the Four Feathers podcast. We are rolling with three feathers tonight. I'm Johnny Nani, and I'm joined by Ron Luce and Tony Marchese. How's it going, guys? Real good, sir. How are you? Well, I'm doing pretty fantastic. Guys, why does it seem to be three feathers more often than four feathers? That's my only question I have right now. Yeah, I don't know. We gotta we gotta get this figured out. No, we gotta, Ty was, we gotta Ty plan was this better. Nice, yeah. Well, we had it planned, but then you know things come up, and I should fire that. him. I think I should fire him. Ooh, you're gonna get the firing over to uh, Tyler, not just Ron. I don't know. We're gonna we'll we'll de- we'll debate that in my head for the rest of the episode, but maybe we'll yeah. we'll see. We we'll see. Verdict later, maybe. So. All right, we got a full show tonight. Um, We're talking overtime madness, two more games. The Hawks played overtime over this past week. Uh, We had our first moment of the week um, Twitter poll, so we'll bring that to you. Um, Keith's 1,000th NHL game, more top-heavy scoring, defense and goaltending. We'll get into some lines about how the Hawks have been looking in practice leading up to uh, Thursday night's game. It's a sad situation. Um, we will get more into that, but everyone knows that Brandon Saad um, is kind of on the fritz here, so we'll get more into his situation a little bit later. Our boy, Alexander Fortan, 14, I think is how we're actually 40. Saying. We're just going to oh, call 40. him 40. 40. 40s for Fortin. We'll get more into his new role. Um, got an injury update, prospect report, and then I'll look at the week ahead. So it's going to be a jam-packed show, boys. Let's start with Overtime Madness. Thursday at Minnesota. Overtime loss to the Wild four to, by a score of 4-3. to three. Uh, Redeemed ourselves Saturday night. Um, overtime win versus St. Louis. Same score, 4-3. to three. And interesting little factoid here. The Hawks and the Devils are the only NHL teams without a regulation loss so far. So that's where we're at. Only two games since we recorded our last podcast. Um, what did you guys see? Just general observations from these past two games. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think the, for the last two games, the one positive, and it's been a continuing trend, uh, is that this team is resilient as hell. Um, they're not afraid, you know, when they're down a goal to really push the push the play and 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 try and send it to OT and they've done that a couple times now to start this year you know I think we we mentioned on was it two episodes ago maybe only an episode ago about how if this was last year's team and they were down a goal with say eight minutes left in the third period they'd just fold the game would be over oh they'd fold in the second period yeah exactly so you know with, with that being said you know for for this team to be able to do what they've done so far and, and push the game to overtime is, is encouraging. At the same time, you look at the Minnesota game, and uh, when you have a lead with under a minute left and it goes to OT when you're on a power play and then you lose in overtime, that's very frustrating. But um, 
you know, I think we knew going into the season the defense was going to be an absolute shit show. <laughs> Fortunately, the offense is, is producing, and, you know, hopefully they can keep it up throughout the year. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be guys that hit cold, you know, streaks at different points in the year, but um, at least they're putting pucks in the back of the net. Yeah, so I kind of echo that. Um, I, I'd like to take a little bit of a step back. I mean, Thursday, uh, when we were going into that final minute, felt kind of confident, right? And then you see Cam Ward give up that goal and they go into overtime and lose it and you start to get frustrated. But at the same point in time, you still pull another point in a divisional game. Um, you would have liked to see that one go down as a win, obviously. You would have liked to see that one go down as a win without going to overtime. Uh, but you take what you can get at this point in time and then you go in Saturday and you beat St. Louis 4-3 again in overtime. But... Uh, the fact of the matter is, is that the Hawks have played pretty well against their division so far. And like you said, Johnny, uh, Hawks and the Devils are the only NHL teams without a regulation loss. We have a point streak going. That's important. We haven't seen the Hawks not get a point in any of these games so far. Uh, if we could keep that going, um, I'm fine with these overtime games. As long as we're not losing in regulation and, and putting up a, a, a streak of, of regulation losses, we're going to stay in the mix. And that's that's important. I, I'd rather give up a goal in the last minute and go to overtime and lose the game than give up a goal when the game is tied and, and not get that point. Um, I mean, that's big. So far, uh, I, I'm not sure what uh, what the standings were, but last I, last I looked, we were tied with Nashville. I'm not sure what, when Nashville played or not, uh, but we were tied with Nashville for, for first place. So who thought we were going to be here right now? Ron, Johnny, did you guys think we were going to be first not at in all. the division at no, any point no in time this year? So, you know, no. I mean, you take what you can get, especially with Cam Ward and Nett and how shaky the defense has been. This has been a very pleasant start to the year. Uh, for as frustrated as I was on Thursday um, – and I get pissed off about losing. Uh, when you take a step back and look at what we the body of work so far, uh, the offense has been solid, like you said, Ron. Uh, the the stars have been showing up. The games have been entertaining, and, and that's as a fan more than you can ask for. So uh, I I just hope that they keep this point streak rolling. And you know, I mean, that's that shades back to what was it, 2013. When we, when we went on a roll to start the year, I mean, we put pile points up early now. That's only going to help later. So I'm, I'm encouraged, uh, despite some of the, the, uh, the shenanigans that come with, uh, giving up late soft goals. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's my take on, on what we saw this week. Yeah. It's like, I like what you brought up the, uh, you know, just piling up points early, Tony. Um, this isn't the same team of 2013, 2015, that's going to roll teams. Um, I, I would not expect us to go on like an extended winning streak like we did in both of those seasons. Um, like I'm talking, you know, just looking absolutely dominant from start to finish all 60 minutes, not even have to worry about an overtime situation in those. So we're going to have to uh, claw and scratch. But yeah, no, um, we just got to stay it, in these it, games. A, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's encouraging. I was just, you know, doubling back on that point that uh, it's going to be it's going to be a different uh, way route of getting there i should say um if we're going to get ourselves back in the playoffs this year so not not going to be your typical dominating hawks teams uh but resilience is no and you know there's gonna come there's gonna come a game johnny there's gonna come a game where the hawks get blown out 
and we're going to get frustrated with it, and this team's going to look like crap. We haven't seen that so far this year. But there is mm-hmm. going to come a time. Every team goes through a clunker. Uh, I'm more curious to see how they're going to respond to that game uh, and what they bounce back with the next time out because this team really hasn't faced that kind of adversity when it comes to losing by three, four goals and mm-hmm. then having to play the second night on a back-to-back or losing three, losing by three, four goals and then having five days off. I mean, we were talking about the schedule before we started to record. They've got some long periods of time off. Uh, imagine coming out of that St. Louis game uh, losing by five. You know, how would we all feel right now recording this podcast knowing that they just got blown out and how, they're, how are they going to respond? You know, what are they doing in practice to, to make that up? Uh, so they haven't really had to make that adjustment yet um, as far as taking a big loss. And, you know, even the, even the good Hawks teams that we remember, the, the, the Stanley Cup teams, there were still games during those years where, you know, holy shit, the sky's falling. We, what, what are we going to do? Uh, and it's how you respond to some of that adversity that I'm, I'm very curious to see how this team, how this team responds. Yeah, definitely something to look out for. Um, so we have our moment of the week. It was a Twitter poll that we ran earlier today. Uh, the options were Keith's thousandth game, Debrinket ties and wins the game Saturday night, Kane's wait and shoot, um, the goal that he scored on Saturday night where he just kind of dangled to the middle waited for a spot and sniped it. And then uh, four was the practice mannequins. Uh, they brought those out on Monday at practice. Uh, just kind of funny watching them shoot through those and uh, make passes across the ice. Um, but the Brinkett tying and winning the game on Saturday night against St. Louis won it by with 43%. Keith's thousandth game came in second, 25%. Kane's wait and shoot with 19 and practice mannequins with 13. So uh, the Brinkett tying and winning it, um, I couldn't watch the game. I was listening to it. Uh, I was out of town. Um, did, what, what, what were your guys' uh, thoughts on, the first of all, the tying goal? Because I, we're going to get into Keith's uh, game in a minute there. But well, the play to set that up was really intriguing for me when I finally got to go back and watch the highlights. So if you guys are watching it, what were your takeaways from that tying goal specifically? I, well, uh, I was not watching it because I had – was at a friend's house who thought Boston Red Sox baseball was more important than the Blackhawks. But that's, that's not my sad. business. Go for it, Tony. You're fired. You are absolutely <laughs> 100 fucking percent fired. First fired. Uh, so, Ron, uh, do you subscribe to Comcast? I do. You do. Do you have a mobile device? I think I do. You think you do. <laughs> have you ever heard of streaming? <laughs> I think I have. Okay. Uh, no excuses uh, <laughs> for that one there. Um, I'm not quite sure what the game was broadcast on. If it was WGN, I'm going to give you a pass. Uh, but if it was uh, on any I, of the NBC it, it was. networks, uh, you definitely could have been watching it. Um, at least the third period going into overtime. Now, uh, Ron, you and I were exchanging some messages during this game. Um so I'd like to think you knew what was going on. So uh, I actually was watching it. Um, I was streaming it, uh, as I do most of the games. Uh, I've got multiple multiple screens for sports viewing experiences, um, as most people should if you're a sports fan, unlike Ron, who's been <laughs> fired. 
but <laughs> that was that was awesome. I, I've loved Dabrinkit's play so far this year. Um, the guy just finds a way to score. Um, and there's something to be said about like this small guy who fell to the Hawks. And, and, and my feeling on that was here is this kid who came out of nowhere for us and has kind of stepped into that. I, I know we talked a little bit about it, Ron. He's kind of filled that Artemi Panarin void. Maybe not fully, but from a scoring standpoint, from a scoring clutch goals and, uh, you know, creating some excitement on the ice outside of, like, the Patrick Canes of the world, that's Alex Dabrinkit for me. And what is he at, six goals now already this year, leading yep. the team? Um, yep. there There's more to come for this kid. I mean, he's he's going to continue to score like this. He's He's shown it now into the second year uh he he showed it in the juniors he showed it at every level so far so i don't i don't foresee that going away um when he scored that goal i'm pretty sure i'm pretty sure i had called it a little bit right when the overtime period started i had said cat cat's gonna score and Mm -hmm. lo and behold he did um there's just something about him when you're watching his play you can kind of get that sense when he when he has good visibility on the ice, when he's create, when he's got enough space, uh, that something's going to happen, and that's that's enjoyable hockey to watch. And I, I keep saying this over and over again, they've been very enjoyable to watch. And one of the reasons is Alex DeBrinket is bringing the offense. And so I wasn't shocked when he scored, but I was ecstatic. That was like watching one of those you know playoff back and forth kind of games. Uh, especially against St. Louis, you like to see that. Hate St. Louis, um, but yeah, I mean that's that was that was an awesome game. Um, can't say enough about uh, you know that that offensive talent that Alex Rinkett brings to the Hawks right now, and I think he's he's a key cog in what is going to happen throughout the rest of this year and into the next two three years. And I hope they actually lock him up uh, long term. And that kind of brings up an interesting point. I think it's going to be him and Schmaltz who are going to be due for contracts. So I'm kind of curious to see what you guys had to say on that. I know it's kind of off topic on what we're going to talk about here, but um, I, I, I'm I'm leaning towards Alex Debrinket myself. Yeah, if you had to ask me right now, I'd probably lean uh, Debrinket um, just because of the goal scoring ability, the quick release on a shot. Schmaltz hasn't been as aggressive, say, offensively. Um, always looks for the pass, what seems like uh, more so than the shot when he has a decent shot. Um, so, yeah, right now, I mean, that's that's discussion for another podcast, but um, to break it right now, he had to put a gun up to my head. Yeah, and uh, to piggyback off of, you know, what you were saying, Tony, just about to break it, I think – you know, a lot of people undersold him because of his size and his skating ability. They're like, well, he's not an elite skater. He's small. He should be an elite skater if he's going to make it in the NHL. And, you know, the one thing, the two things that he does well, and this is why he's been so successful, and I think will continue to be successful, is because, A, he just finds the open space. If you ever just watch him, just shadow him on a shift and just exclusively watch him no matter where the puck is, He's always finding the little pockets and he just, he has a knack for doing that. And you know, that's a lot of that's hockey IQ. He's able to, to pick his spots, knows where he can go to, to get open. And then when he is open, his biggest asset is that release. 
If you ever, I, I just, I rewatched the the highlight of that tying goal. If you blink when the puck touches his stick, you miss him shooting the puck <laughs> because it's that fast. I mean, he's he's unbelievable when it comes to his, his release. You know, and his and his shot power itself isn't overwhelming, but that release in itself is is so deceptive that goalies can't get a read on it because by the time it's on his stick, it's off his stick almost immediately. So. Um, you know, he's been successful there and yeah, just quickly to highlight, uh, if I had to pick one to bring it 10 times out of 10, I think having a, a winger that can score consistently is more important than a guy who, a, we don't know what position he truly is yet, whether he's better at a wing or as a center and B, he's not playing with any kind of confidence. So he's not really doing the Hawks any favors right now. Yeah. So, t- uh, just circling back on your point, I'm glad you brought up the release, Ron, cause, uh, this is our moment of the week to bring at tying and winning the game against St. Louis Saturday night. Um, I agree 100%. You gave the perfect analysis of it, perfect breakdown of, you know, if you blink, you miss it. First of all, the release, obviously super quick, um, just uh, the, just fooling goalies. Like you said, not the most powerful shot, but the release itself is just what, you know, they can't make that first move towards a puck. And then the placement of it, too. I just wanted to touch on that. It hit perfectly where the the joint where the uh, crossbar meets the post and just, you know, hits that, goes straight to the back of the net. Um, unbelievable way to tie it up. And then the winner, uh, give Eric Gustafson a lot of credit. Great feed. I mean, granted, St. Louis is a little bit out of position there, but great feed, just a straight touch in for Debrinket. But um, that kind of goes back to what Tony was. You, you just had this excitement when he's on the ice. He's going to make something good happen for the team. So that's our moment of the week. Alex Debrinket tying and winning the game Saturday night. Against St. Louis, 43% of you. Thank you to everyone who voted. We will have another one next week. Um, Let's talk about practice mannequins for a second here because they only got 13% <laughs> of the vote. But this is this has become a little bit of a hot topic. And I have a theory that uh, the Blackhawks actually got these from uh, the Sears stores that are closing. And uh, I, I just want to thank the Blackhawks for, you know, purchasing stuff from a, a business liquidation sale and actually putting it to good use. Yeah, did you see the one? He was all swagged out. He was wearing like shades on the ice. Like, that, oh yeah, like yeah, they got a yeah. Do you, you know, guys... you know, it was pretty funny. I saw they have Mark McNeil and Brandon Mashinter's helmets on them. You could yes. see on the back. It was forty-one and fifty-three were the numbers on. I just thought that was hilarious. Like, oh, well, imagine if those guys like saw you know just scrolling through Twitter one day and saw that. Oh, that's what my old gear is being used for. <laughs> I mean, that's if it, if it wasn't good. if it wasn't those guys. Whose gear over the past five years on the Hawks would you have picked to put on the mannequins? Victor Tikhanov. I don't know if you remember him. Three years ago, forward, uh, Russian guy, number 14. He was only with us for probably about maybe half a season. He was a healthy scratch pretty regularly, but that's probably who I would dug up. David Runblad, biggest yeah, disappointment that's, that's of a defenseman. Ex- that's exactly who I was going with, was David Rudland. <laughs> Stole it right out of my mouth. Good stuff, guys. Good stuff. Well, let's move yeah. it on over to uh, to Keith's 1,000th game, another uh, moment of the week uh, option in the Twitter poll, but uh, kind of a milestone thing. Let's let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah, I wanted to absolutely touch on it. I only got 25% in that poll. I mean, granted, it was second, but that's a, you know, a big milestone. Uh, we've seen it for uh, both Siebes and Hosa. Um, the whole ceremony, 
A uh, whole team comes out wearing the Keith sweaters during warm-ups. Uh, they have a nice video tribute and pregame ceremony. Silver stick uh, with the thousand-game marker on it, presented by Patrick Sharp. Um, Seabrook right by his side. Wouldn't have it any other way. Wouldn't have it any other way. There, guys. Were you uh, surprised that it was Patrick Sharp handing the stick to Keith at all? I think that's all water under the bridge, that whole situation where everybody thought, you know, when Sharpie went away to Dallas and there was the rumors about did he sleep with Keith's wife? I don't know. I feel like that's all water under the bridge now. Uh, Keith and his wife are separated, I believe. Um, I don't want to touch into personal lives too much here, but um, I think it's kind of past him. Sharpie is the main ambassador. Burrish is, I think it would have been Adam Burrish had he not been on uh, NBC Sports post game duties. Um, so I don't know. I I I didn't think it was that weird at all. They, they, it doesn't seem like there's bad blood or anything, any yeah. ill will between them. So yeah, and Keith Keith and Sharp have been, I mean, fantastic friends. <clears throat> if you really look back to the guys that were part of that core, uh, even for the first cup in terms of of tenure, really the first guys that were there were Keith Seabrook and and Sharpie. So. Um, they, they were together the longest. I think they were best of friends. I agree. I think the rumors are rumors. I, both parties came out numerous times and said it was all just a load of bullshit. So, um, you know, media is media and you can only take it for, for what it's worth. But, um, they, they both looked absolutely, you know, just overjoyed that each one of them was out there for that moment and uh it was pretty cool i did i did actually see that part of it i did see some of the game i just didn't see all of the game so um but no i mean i actually i was able to be at uh seabrook's thousandth game last year obviously more i think it's more famous for being the scott foster game sadly but um so being able to see that in person and you it just gives you the opportunity to reflect on how great Duncan Keith and Brent Seabrook truly are if you look at their careers you know I, we we get upset now because they're both in their 30s and they're toward the end of their careers and oh they're not playing where they used to be and like I I, I kind of had an epiphany the other day and I just kind of sat back and I was like you know we get to turn on the TV every night as Hawks fans and watch at least four Hall of Famers every single night play because yep. of Keith Seabrook Taves and and Kane and I'd argue Hosa is absolutely a Hall of Famer, um, you know. And there's there's going to be at least four numbers retired in the next two decades, and that's going to be two, seven, eighty-eight, and nineteen. And it's just one of those things you got to enjoy watching them. Enjoy the the fantastic accomplishment for Duncan Keith. Uh, a thousand games is no joke. He's only what the fifty seventh player to do it for the same franchise. Um, mm. You know, for so him and Seabrook to do that, I mean, those guys are are Blackhawks legends at this point. You know, to play a thousand games in a Blackhawks sweater, um, and I would argue by the time that the end of the season's over, um, as long as neither one of them gets severely hurt, they're going to be two and three all time in Blackhawks games played. The only player that's going to have more is Stan Mikita. So um, that says quite a bit about the accomplishment that uh, number two had um, on Saturday night. Yeah, you know, they uh, talk, you know, a lot of people think it's like forced and kind of like a, um, just a marketing ploy for them. You know, the Believe in One Goal commercials, but they had a Believe in Legacy one. 
And Ron, I agree with you. You got to sit back and appreciate the uh, accolades that these guys have racked up here. Um, Seabrook last year, Keith now, um, Kane Taves will most likely get there. The Hawks. Um, it, it really is, you know, we're, we're probably going to be seeing these numbers in the rafter at some point. So congratulations, Duncan Keith on a thousand NHL games, all with the Blackhawks. Absolutely. I, I mean, I can't echo anything else except for the fact that, uh, Ron did not put Marion Hosa on that list of people whose numbers would be put into the rafters. Um, I might have to fire you for a second time. Um, Best free agent signing of Chicago sports history. I don't think you lift any of those cups without Marion Hosa. Um, Agreed. So with with that said, I would put him uh, in the rafters with them. And the fact that you left them out, Ron, is very disappointing to me. No, I do think he will be there. I, I think the, the only thing I'm actually curious to see, and, and Tony, I want your opinion on this because I know Hosa is one of your all-time, if not your all-time favorite player. Does his number get retired for both Ottawa and Chicago? I mean, potentially. I I don't know. I I really don't know the answer to that. I think he has a better chance in Chicago just because of the, the legacy that he built here, um, with the three cups. And I'd have to go back and kind of look at his tenure in Ottawa and and really study it a little bit more. I know he was a huge piece of that franchise, Uh, but he did, he did spend a few years bouncing around in between the two of them. So, I mean, there's, there's potential there. The guy's definitely a hall of famer. Um, I would be shocked if he didn't go into the Hall of Fame as a Chicago Blackhawk. Um, but, I mean, you never know. I mean, that's that's going to be something that he'll have to decide what he wants to do. But I see Marion Hosa ending up as an ambassador just in the same capacity that, that Patrick Sharp is to the, to the Blackhawks uh, as long as Hosa wants that. Um, and I, I know I've touched on the I want to see Hosa do the one more shift thing or, or something like that. Um, with the Hawks, and I'm sure he'll get that opportunity to. Uh, and I'm sure that there's going to be a one-day contract the day that he's done in Arizona um, playing for their EA Sports hockey team, apparently. I, you brought that up earlier, um, which is just total bullshit. Um, backstory for the listeners, uh, if you play NHL 19, uh, Marion Hosa is on the active roster for the Arizona Coyotes and can be played. Uh, in franchise mode for that team, uh, which is which is kind of unfortunate and sad. But uh, to answer your question, I would probably say no to Ottawa, but yes for the Hawks. Um, if he does get retired uh, for the Blackhawks, I think that's that's probably the only spot he does get uh, his number retired. Yeah, I think that's respectable. I think it is interesting to note, though, he actually up until – I believe it was up until that 2016-17 season, so his last active season in the NHL. Uh, he actually played the same amount of seasons in Ottawa that he did in Chicago. So uh, he started his career. I mean, he only played seven games in his first year in Ottawa in 97-98. Uh, I have it up in front of me. But um, 
second year he was at 60 games and then the rest of his career in Ottawa he played at least 78 games um so I think it, I think it has to do with body of work and the, and the and the playoff appearances and and how those finished and and what he meant to the club um that's I mean that's that's a tough one <laughs> that, that is a that is a really tough one no, definitely. I mean, yeah, agreed. He's definitely Hall of Famer. I think he does go in as a Hawk. I think, you know, he in the end, he played the most seasons in Chicago. Obviously, the three Stanley Cups. Um, you know, 81, I agree, will be in the rafters. Uh, the beauty of it, there is no one else in the, the franchise's history that's really worn that number that is anywhere near significant. Um, the only reason I say that is because Brent Seabrook wears seven, and so did one uh, Chris Chelios. So, I think that's something to note that could be potentially interesting. But agreed, Hall of Famer. Uh, you don't have to fire me a second time. I, I, I am in 100% agreement <laughs> with you. I'll, um, I'll argue Hosa all day. So Yeah, I'm, I'm big on Hosa too. Tone. I'm going uh, Thursday night. I'll be wearing my uh, Hosa jersey. And, but All right, we are circling back to... Um, current team, um, just talking a little bit how where they've gotten where they've gotten. We talked about top-heavy scoring on last week's episode, and it is another point again this week. Taves, five goals, four assists for nine points. Kane, five goals, three assists for eight points. Debrinket leading the team with six goals, three assists, nine points. Um, we knew it was going to be like this going into the year. It's good to see a couple uh, lower line guys. I know Anisimov tallied his first on Saturday night. But, um, you know, this, this is how it's going to be for the Hawks going forward. We're, we're going to be relying heavily on those uh, top guys, so it's good to see them actually producing. Whereas, you know, last year Taves kind of went quiet. Kane is always Patrick Kane. Um, but even he looks like he's got a little more um, support this year, I'd say. So... Uh, what do you what are your guys' thoughts offensively? Here's my my take on this is how sustainable is it? I mean, this obviously is new territory for Taves in his current spot, I, I would say. I mean it's something we wanna see Taves do. But how sustainable is it for, for Jonathan Taves? We've already kinda of discussed uh Debrinket in the in the matter of fact that he finds ways to score and he, he's kind of proven that over and over again he's a, he's a sniper he's a goal scorer so you would expect that out of him and patrick crane's track record is just if you think that that's going to tail off uh i think you're, you're probably crazy uh but but jonathan taves is the key to this top heavy scoring he needs to continue that or we're going to have to see some secondary scoring in order to sustain what this offense is doing um, you'd like to see somebody like Brandon Side start to pick up some of this stuff and imagine where we would be. Uh, but it's going to be Kane and Debrinket that's going to carry uh, most of the goal scoring. Uh, I, I'm curious to see who you guys think is going to wind up having the most goals uh, because it, it could be a, a little bit of a shootout between the two of them all the way down to the wire to see who's going to win it. Uh, I don't think Taves keeps it up at this pace, uh, but I don't foresee him really going into a major slump. I think he's 
he's playing, like we said last week, with that chip on his shoulder, the diet change, all that stuff. Uh, I think he's here to stay this year, and he wants to prove that he's still a top 10 center in the NHL. So I, 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 can, I, I foresee him continuing on this on this path, but maybe not at this pace that Kane and Dabrinkit are on. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to need some sort of secondary scoring as well to, to what these guys are doing. Yeah, without a doubt. They'll, they'll definitely need secondary scoring to step up. And I, I think some... Some key names to note. Anisimov needs to start burying some pucks. Um, it would be nice to see, you know, if they're going to play him, you know, Kunitz to do something, even if it's if he can contribute 10 goals uh, in a bottom six role. I'll tell you what, though. Uh, Dabrinkit's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But without Taves, Dabrinkit doesn't have nine points to start the year. Um, Taves has been unbelievable. I think he is back. Uh, I think something worth noting is he's been working in the offseason with Adam Oates, who is now a like essentially world-renowned uh, skills coach for these guys, for different individuals. Uh, he's worked with guys like, uh, I believe, Steven Stamkos, um, obviously Jonathan Taves. And he just, you know, he just kind of critiques these guys, watches their film, breaks it down. Um, you know, for people that are, are Barstool fans, uh, Spit and Chicklets podcast, Adam Oates was on, I believe, last week. Um, and he explained what he does with these guys. And, you know, he'll certain guys like it different ways. He'll check in with them daily, weekly. He'll watch their game tape and he'll just essentially break it down for them and just say, hey, have you thought about this? Hey, have you thought about that? Hey, did you see this? Did you see that? And a lot of these guys, I think he said 14 of the guys that he worked with all had career years last year. So Taves seems to have jumped on the Adam Oates bandwagon. I think you're just seeing the confidences back. Uh, I think Marcus Kruger being back is helpful because now Taves is not the only guy that can win faceoffs on that team. And I, I think Taves keeps it up. I mean, at this pace right now, I don't think he keeps it up. I mean, if we're being totally honest, I don't think anybody on the team keeps it up at this pace. Um, but I think Taves is at, at least a 65 point guy this year, if not, you know, close to 70. I think Kane gets you in the 80 range. And I, I think the brink, it's probably in that 65 to 70 range as well. Yeah. If you were asking, um, who you think will lead the team in goals, I'm going to go with, uh, Patrick Kane. I, I don't think the magic's worn off, nor do I think it will wear off for another three, four seasons, to be honest with you. Um, he's, he's going to pick and choose his spots going to get breakaway chances for keep playing these overtime games bound to bury some there obviously he did on opening night against ottawa so um what i'm looking for with uh, ron i'm not going to completely repeat your point but absolutely diet strength training all that changing up over the offseason adam oates huge huge step up and you can obviously see it in his play just getting to the boards and winning those uh loose pucks and even ones that are already tied up, and you can still find a way to poke through it and spin off and come to the center with the puck and look for the open guy. So that is encouraging to see. So we'll see how top-heavy scoring, if it continues at this pace, or if some of these uh, lower six guys uh, start to pick it up. All right, on to why we need to score so much, defense and goaltending. Um, the Hawks have allowed 21 goals against only Detroit, Ottawa, Philadelphia, Toronto, and Carolina have allowed more. But Carolina, Toronto, Philly, and uh, Detroit have all played more games than the Hawks. So um, uh, we, we have a little bit of a problem here. Ward is 3-0-2. Oh, 
879 save percentage, 4.07 goals against average, 21 goals allowed on 173 shots against. Uh, kind of not much of an upgrade. Actually, I don't think it was an upgrade at all from the last time I read those stats uh, when we gave an update last week. So um, what do we need to do to help him out here? Well, we need to play better defense. And I can't say that every goal is Cam Ward's fault, but most of them are. But, I mean, if we played a little bit more solid on defense, I think that some of this stuff would get diminished. And, again, uh, we can't really argue with what the results are. And I know I want to rip this defense apart again and again every time we record. Uh, But I'm going to maybe take a little bit of a pass this week. Uh we're we're still okay at this point in time. I want to save my this defense is terrible uh, rants for when we maybe lose some games. Um, I'm encouraged that Corey Crawford is going to come back, it seems, uh, a lot earlier than all of us expected. Um, that's going to be the key to the season because I, I, while I'm happy with where we're at, uh, I don't think that we can continue to sustain this giving up so many goals. And, and we already discussed, the, the offense can't keep it up the way that they have. And I, I don't think anybody's expecting them to without some sort of secondary scoring. And, and hopefully those guys step up when they need to. But there's going to have to be games that we win by playing shutdown defense. Over the course of 81 games, you're, you you need to do that. You need to make sure that you can stop opposing teams like Toronto, for example, from putting up five, six goals on you. And if we get into these battles and the offense is going through a rough patch, we could see this team go on a skid. And without some sort of solid defensive play and a netminder who's going to make, you know, carry the team on his back you're not going to get through those stretches when the offense goes cold. So we need to see what Corey Crawford can bring to the table. Hopefully that's Thursday and we get our first look at, at, at what, what Corey's all about this year. And I'd like to just caution Hawks fans from expecting Corey Crawford to come out and be better than Cam Ward day one. Um, if you want to take a realistic approach, expect Corey Crawford to do the same thing that Cam Ward's been doing. Um, I was talking to somebody earlier, and we were kind of debating whether or not it would have been beneficial for Corey Crawford to get two or three starts down in Rockford before um, before coming up to the Hawks. Um, I'm not too familiar on how the whole rehab process goes, in hockey versus like uh, a sport like baseball. Uh, but I'm just very surprised that there's not some sort of way to get Corey some in-game experience before just throwing him into the fire. So I'd like to go into Corey Crawford's first start with very low expectations because otherwise I feel like we're going to get burned as fans um, if it's not the Corey Crawford that we know and love in the net um, carrying the team. Um, I think that once he's there, we're, we, we have the possibility to see Corey Crawford steal a few games this year for the Hawks, and the offense doesn't have to be there. You may only need one or two goals to win a game instead of five or six. But 
as of right now, there's really no shutdown defense. There's no shutdown goaltender. So, yeah, I mean, that's – you're going to need to see something. One of the two step up. Which one it's going to be, I don't know. Maybe they need an addition on the defense. I mean, they still have some cap space to work with. If this team's continuing to compete, they're going to need to make a move, and they're going to need to shore that up. Yeah, agreed. And I think the only defensive pairing right now that's really giving any kind of bright spot is that Yoki Haru-Keith pairing. Um, you know, they're they're actually a positive pairing in terms of some of the, the advanced <laughs> metrics. Um Whereas the uh, Seabrook, you know, Seabrook Manning pairing was pretty atrocious, but I think the Seabrook Gustafson pairing is is definitely better for their strong suits. Uh, and if it was up to me, the Ruta Manning pairing wouldn't even play. But um, hmm. that all being said, Cam Ward actually had a really good game against Minnesota uh, last week. I think it's worth noting. I think that it went kind of under the rug. Uh, because of them giving up the late lead and then and then losing it in overtime, he made 42 saves on 46 shots. I mean that that's nothing to shake ahead of. That game could have easily been seven, eight goals for Minnesota. Yeah, he made some really nice saves. He looked good. I mean, of course, he didn't look perfect, but for Cam, given Cam Ward's career statistics, especially since that rookie season when he won the Stanley Cup. He looked good. He he looked good enough, and that's really all they need. If the defense, I mean, obviously a lot of it hinges on Forsling and Murphy's health, you know, once we cross that bridge. But if the defense can just be average and not make any stupid plays and the goaltending can at least just give you a chance to win, you know, as we've mentioned, the offense isn't going to keep up that pace, but if the offense can score three or four goals in a game and Cam Ward only gives up two, maybe three, you know, there's there's an opportunity. And even I think the same goes for Crawford. Uh, Tony agree 100 percent. I think Crawford early on is going to look really bad. I think there's going to be some goals he gives up that are going to really frustrate fans. Uh but Corey Crawford, Ron, Ron, I'm going to interject here. Corey Crawford has always given up goals that piss off fans um, oh sure so i mean expect a lot of those expect more of those than normal um for a great goaltender i don't think that there's anybody else in the league that i've seen give up some really soft goals that just really piss you off and i expect those to come early and often when he comes back yeah and i agreed agreed 100 percent um, you know, I think for him, it's all going to be a confidence game. You know, he's, he's coming back from pretty significant injury. Concussions are nothing to, to, to screw around with. So, uh, for Crawford to be hopefully able to come back, he's probably going to be like, we've, I don't want to beat a dead horse, a shell of himself, but, um, at least if they can get semi stable goaltending and this defense can play at least semi better, especially the bottom t- the the bottom four, uh, then maybe there's an opportunity that this team can hang on into those top four spots uh, in the central division going into say Christmas time. Yeah, so I would I would assume we have starting Thursday seven games in eleven days. So just touch on the defense first. I think we're going to see a little bit of a change up. I know 
Um, you want to try and keep some guys together to uh, get some chemistry going. But I do think at some point during that stretch, we are going to see a Brandon Davidson step in for a Manning or a Ruta. So maybe a different look um, kind of will help your um, anxiety a little bit when you're watching us in our own zone um, from some of the play that we've seen from both Manning and Ruta at times. Now, granted, Manning has had some quality games, um, a Toronto game. I think he, he, he had a pretty decent uh, go of it that night. But, you know, other than that, there's been some really shaky spots with him. I know, Ron, you like to refer to Jan Ruta sometimes as a uh, traffic cone out there. Yep. Pylon. So, yeah, pylon. Um, but, yeah, so I, I think there will be a little bit of a change up there. So that could be something to look out for. And then goaltending-wise, I agree um, about uh, everything that you guys said about Crawford. Um, it, let's Let's take it slow and temper our expectations a little bit when he's first coming back here. Um, just, you know, the it's not going to be the same um, lights out Corey Crawford that was starting the year last year for us and keeping us afloat for the most part. Um, so I hopefully will be there Thursday. Actually, I know I will. I will be there and hopefully he is in. That's that's what I'm going to say there. Um, so they said they aren't going to make a decision uh, on him until Wednesday, the final decision, but nothing has deterred them from the path um, of him being able to start on Thursday night against Arizona. And then when that finally comes around, say he is back and they're going to um, add him to the roster, they don't plan on carrying three goaltenders. I mean, they may for a short amount of time, but they'll probably have to make a decision regarding Ant- Anton Forsberg um, pretty soon here. So. It'll be interesting to see what happens there, but um, that'll be a discussion for next week when we finally have an actual decision on Crawford and what they're going to do with the three goaltender situation. All right, looking forward to Thursday night's game here. Um, practice lines on Monday were Debrinket, Taves, Cahoon, 14, Schmaltz, Kane, Kunitz, Anisimov, Hayden, Kruger, Johnson, Kampf. Who's missing from that, guys? A one Brandon sad. One Brandon sad. It's a sad, sad situation here. Um, Brandon sad was bumped down to the fourth line during Saturday's game against St. Louis on Monday in practice. He wore the white healthy scratch Jersey with Andreas Martinson, who was out with an injury. So it's either for injuries or health, potential healthy scratches. Um, I know they said they wouldn't make a uh, final decision, until the day of, but let's let the rumors fly here, guys. What's going on with Brandon Sod? Yeah, Brandon Sod is breaking my heart, and I, I, I'll i be the first person to admit, Brandon Sod is arguably my favorite player in the NHL and has been really since his rookie season. Uh, I just really enjoy the game he plays uh, up and down the ice, you know, both ways. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really starting to wonder, and, and Tony, I think you'll enjoy this because I know you're a big uh, conspiracy guy. I think my conspiracy is that John Tortorella kind of fucked with Brandon Saad a little bit. And, you know, he, he, was, he, was, and he was a good player in, in Columbus. I mean, he had, I think, at least one 30-goal season, if not two. Um, but that last season that he was there, you know, there was nights he was down on the fourth line. He was being a bottom six player. Him and Tortorella would go at, get at it, you know. 
he came back and hasn't been himself. And I think, you know, I think there's a lot of factors that play into this. You know, he's playing with new line mates. He's never played with Schmaltz and Kane. He's played with Kane a little bit, but you know, Jonathan Taves is pretty much the one staple in his career that he's played with consistently, at least in Chicago. And, you know, he's, he's just been, I mean, he's been snake bitten as hell because if you look at last season, uh, I actually think I, I wrote a, a blog on just some site that I, at the time was just like, yeah, I'm going to do this for fun. Uh, Brandon Saad was like a top five Corsi four player possession player in the NHL last season. He just literally could not put the puck in the back of the net for whatever reason. Um, and he's young. I think a lot of people forget how young he is. He's only 25. His best years are still ahead of him. I think he's going to rebound and I hope I don't steal anybody's thunder, but the last time that Joel scratched healthy, scratched a significant player on this team last Brent season, Seabrook. Brent Seabrook, exactly. And what did Seabrook do the game after comes out, scores a goal. And Brent Seabrook was arguably the Blackhawks best defenseman down the stretch last year, maybe minus Connor Murphy. So, you know, maybe this is the kick in the ass. Brandon Saad's got a pretty good head on his shoulders historically as you know, as fans have seen, you know, he handles himself well. He's, he's a class act. He's a good player. Um, he's been mentored by two of the best two way forwards that ever play the game and Taves and Hosa, you know, he's going to turn it around and maybe this healthy scratch is just the kick in the ass for him to finally realize, Hey, listen, I just need to get back to doing what I do best and just get, get to the dirty areas and put pucks in the back of the net. So here we go. Um, I don't know if you guys saw the video of Brandon Saad in practice on, what was it, yesterday, Monday? Monday, Where yeah. Brandon Saad just looked like, and I'm not a football guy, but he looked like almost the Jay Cutler, I don't care attitude. And it pissed mm-hmm. me off. Like, as soon as I saw him, like, he just looked... He looked like dog shit. He looked like he did not give two shits about skating hard, getting into those dirty areas, like you said, Ron. He just looked like he was out there going through the motions. And I don't know I don't know why that is. I mean, there could be a million reasons, right? It could be stuff going on off the ice in his personal life. It could be... Um, you know, just a lack of caring, a pissed-off attitude towards not being able to play with Jonathan Taves. I mean, when when Brandon Saad came back, I mean, we touched on this a little bit before, it was because, you know, the whole assumption was like, oh, yeah, Brandon Saad, Jonathan Taves, reunite them, and and everything's going to be good. Um, Maybe he's a little bit upset about his role on this team. Um, I think that last year, like you said, with, with the with the stats that he put up and the, and the Corsi leaders and all that other stuff, um, maybe there's a little bit of bad puck luck going his way, and, and it's in his head. I mean, he, he, the guy's in a slump, and, and there's nothing more than that. But the one thing that I don't like to see is him come out and get asked, like, oh, you know, the white, like, you know, how do you feel about being put in the white shirt? And, you know, he's like, well, you know, you just got to bat. He, he kind of gave – he kind of gave those expected answers, and I want to see, you know, it, it, let's put it this way: if if I was Brandon Saad and I was white shirted, I would say, you know, this is unacceptable. 
Like, I don't deserve to be in that situation. I'm giving my all. I'm going to, you know, go above and beyond. And, you know, he kind of did that, but it wasn't in the tone that I wanted to hear. I wanted to see Brandon Saad a little bit fired up. And you mentioned the Brent Seabrook thing. Like, that fired up Brent Seabrook. He was all over the ice the next day. You know, yeah, and... How he you scored practice? goal the day after? Yeah, he or scored the goal the day after. Back? Yeah. Yeah, yep. but that, that fires you up. Like, I don't care... If Brandon Saad is is pissed off about being white-shirted, come out and practice and be the fastest fucking guy on the ice. Be the guy that you notice for good reasons, not the guy that you notice because you look lackadaisical and you look like you are going through the motions and everything like that. So I don't know if this is going to kick Brandon Saad in the ass and, and do what you need to do. When, uh, when Coach Q was asked, you know, how did you go through this tough decision to to white shirt Brandon Saad? Coach Q's reaction to that was, "This wasn't a tough decision. This was an easy decision." Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's not encouraging. That's not encouraging in the least bit to me. Um, I pegged Brandon Saad as you know the next potential big name for the Hawks to carry them through, and now you know you see people discussing like what would we get for Brandon Saad in a trade and and yeah. all this other stuff. That's that's not what you want to see uh, coming from the guy that you flipped Artemi Panarin for. I mean, you look at what the Hawks have in cap space now, and after that Hosa deal and all this other stuff, you could have locked Artemi Panarin up to some sort of deal and made something work. You might have had to sacrifice a little bit more, but you've cleared that kind of space, and now you've got Brandon Saad who's sitting here, and you're going to, what, put him on the bench? That guy needs to get his ass moving and start you know i don't i don't care if he's scoring goals but at least look like you're trying to play hockey and at least look like you are a hockey player who is meant to be on a top six one of the top six guys on this blackhawks team there's not much in the bottom six he's obviously like you said with his pedigree a top six guy he's got tons of potential just show me something Show me something. That's, I mean, I, I don't even know where else to go from here, but I just hope that the the white shirt, the, the if they if they healthy scratch him, it, it works. But this one has a little bit of a different kind of feel to it. Just from the peripherals, watching what was said in some some after practice interviews. Um, I, I just don't know, and if it's an off the ice thing with him, uh, there's there's gonna be a, there's gonna need to be some sort of I don't know maybe mentorship for Brandon Saad. Maybe he's missing that. Maybe it was Hosa, like you said, who was mentoring him, or somebody that's not on this Hawks team anymore from when he was here on his first stint that uh, that was giving him you know that leadership. And, and I'm not saying that you know Jonathan Taze or Patrick Kane Seabrook or, or any of these other guys aren't positive influences towards Brandon Saad but there just seems to be a different feeling towards him um a a different feel watching him than than what we had before and it just kind of seems uh unshakable to me at this point in time and I'm I, I know Coach Q uh doing this uh this maneuver with the white shirt and and you know threatening to uh keep him on the bench for the next game is is trying to send him a message you just got to hope that he responds in the right way yeah so i want to just to kind of tie this 
uh, whole sod situation up, I want to uh, tie together points that both of you guys made. First of all, Ron, you're talking about him being a top five possession guy, Corsi wise. Um, sure, that may have been the case, but I feel like he wasn't driving meaningful possession. What I mean by that is he he's a power forward. Just his build, his strength, his body type. So he needs to start getting to these dirty areas. And even if it, that's not going to be his ideal um, scoring role, you know, he's probably more of like the high flying guy in Columbus. But you know what? We need you in a little bit of a different role here. So accept it and execute, as Eddie O would say. And then, Tony, from just a mentality standpoint, um, from what you were kind of talking about there, um, it, it, it's just time to. I don't want to say get your head out of your ass, but yeah, just get your head out of your ass and let's uh, man up. Let's, com- let's commit commit to the Indian here. There's there's more than Brandon Saad at stake here. This is you know a Blackhawks team that really wants to fight to prove something this year, and he can either be a part of that and give it his all, and even if he's not scoring goals, as long as he's doing the right things, not pulling up on uh, you know odd man rushes just gliding you know skate hard to the net get your body there maybe hey you know what maybe you generate some of that puck luck by getting to the front of the net one hits off your shin pad or one hits off of your skate and it goes in the back of the net and then you feel a whole bunch of relief you know so that that would be my uh message to brandon sod if i could uh talk to him so the official word on that from coach q well there's just a message we expect more whether it's urgency passion Coming up with more loose pucks in the areas is probably going to be the difference when he was talking about Brandon Saad being white-shirted at practice and the potential decision to make him a healthy scratch on Thursday night against Arizona. So that does it for a Saad situation, but with him being demoted like that, that also opens up a new opportunity for one of our favorite guys, 40, 40 for Fortin. He's stepping into a new role with Saad being bumped down. It was uh, in that St. Louis game. Saad was bumped down to the fourth line. So Alexander 14 was bumped up to the second line on Saturday night, came close to scoring his first career NHL goal um, a couple of times, I think, on that Saturday night. One just barely escaped the end of his stick as he was driving hard to the net. Um, he's got great speed so far. And from a numbers standpoint, 43.8, Corsi 4. In 11:51 average time on ice, but he played 14:53 on Saturday, so it's an encouraging sign that they're trusting him a little more. Obviously, moving up to more of a uh, top six role there, and Coach Q believing in him enough to give him more than you know 11 minutes of ice time. So, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully our boy can step it up here. What What do you guys uh, like from Fortin is just the small sample size that we've seen so far, Minnesota and St. Louis games. Uh, Go ahead, Ron. (laughs) I was just going to say speed, speed, and speed. I mean, uh, I think he's a welcomed addition to this lineup just because that speed can help drive play. Uh, I think him being on that second line, he plays well for guys like Schmaltz and Kane who need space. Uh, anytime you have a guy that can generate, you know, uh, action with that speed, you know, the defense has to respect that. Uh, and it's just going to open up space, hopefully for, for Schmaltz to get his play together. Uh, you know, another guy that I think needs to, to step up and, and really develop into his role. 
Uh, and I mean, let's be honest, the more space you give to Kaner, the more beautiful things he gets to do with the puck. So uh, I'm never against that. And I think he, I think he could fit well on that second line. And maybe that allows, you know, if Saad does have a chance to come back, you know, they can play him on a third line and maybe, you know, if he gets his own thing going, he can get an Isimov going. And, uh, then you have a little more depth scoring and, and balanced lines than we currently have at this point. Um, as, as far as 40 goes, uh, I really like the little campaign we've put together, uh, and I can't wait yeah. to see him score his first goal. Um, I don't think that there will be a Four Feathers podcast where I don't drink 40 ounces of beer, um, and I don't think there will be a Hawks game if Fortin scores that I don't drink 40 ounces of beer. I think that's that's a pretty cool thing. But uh, aside from that, I mean, like you touched on, Ron, this, the speed is 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 there. Um, you'd like to see him start to finish. I think once he gets his first, uh, they'll come in a little bit of bunches for him. And we talk about guys who could step in and provide some secondary scoring. Uh, he might be the guy. Um, he might be able to provide some of these goals that we're, that we're not getting right now. And, and we keep going back to Brandon Saad. Um, I'm not Coach Q. I don't get to make the lines. Uh, but I would not have pegged uh, – 40 as one of these guys that we could plug into the top six so that's i mean it's it's a good it's a good surprise it's a good thing uh that he's he's getting this opportunity and let's see what he can do with it um is he going to stay there long term i mean that remains to be seen but uh having a guy who could step in and it's in a top six role put up top six minutes uh you know that's that's something that we didn't expect, especially for for a guy like uh, 40s cap hat. Uh, you got to take those a- and run with them when you get them. Um, you know that's that's where that's where great teams are made is you know finding young talent that can step into those top six roles and provide you excellent value for little cost and and that's what Fortin has right now. So you know you got to hope that he can he can you know get a little bit of a of a boost from the the opportunity to play like a guy play with a guy like Patrick Kane I'm sure he's gonna get a get a few um, you know plays on the rush with 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 Patrick Kane with that speed and see if he can put one home and and good things will start to happen and I'm excited to see that um, you don't want to see him slowed down by by guys like Anisimov and um you know some of the other guys that are on the third, fourth line. So I think this is a good spot for him. It's a good opportunity, and hopefully for our sake and for his sake, he capitalizes on it and becomes a staple in that top six. I mean, there's nothing more that you want to see than somebody like that start to succeed and and make a name for themselves in in uh, in Chicago than than a guy like Alexander Fortin. So uh, best of luck to him. Hopefully he can he can capitalize on this and. Um, you know, we could be doing 40s for Fortin all year long. Yeah, I I love that, Tony. Um, when you're talking about guys, you know, young forwards that come in and step in, usually they uh, play on a third or fourth line role. I'm glad that Coach Q has finally kind of not moved past it. I wouldn't say completely because there's still going to be times where guys get in his doghouse. But he's more willing to let these young guys step into a role that's going to be meaningful. Whereas when even Debrinket first came up, what, he was playing on a third third line role you know usually you see these young guys come up and they don't you know dylan sakura i don't know if he ever cracked past the third line um last year when he was up maybe for a little bit at short periods of time but that was already in a you know lost season there so uh meaningful minutes 
uh, meaningful role. Let's see what Forty can do with it. All right, we are moving towards the end here. Got a couple of reports. Uh, first of all, injuries. Andreas Martinson out with the back. Hopeful that he could return Thursday. Don't know if he would actually be in the lineup, but um, health-wise, he should be good to play by Thursday. Uh, Gustav Forsling um, out with the wrist surgery from July. Still on track for an earlier November return. Uh, has been doing some light practice work. Um, Connor Murphy with the back, still not skating. Um, not exactly sure when he's going to be back, but early mid-December would probably be the earliest we'd see him. And Crawford, Corey Crawford, concussion symptoms, um, still on IR officially, but on track to start Thursday night, barring any setbacks between uh, now and then. So um, hopefully clean this list up a little bit here, injury-wise. It's good to have uh, all guns blazing. Um, prospect report, um, Dylan Sakura, uh, one goal, three assists for four points through four games at Rockford. Uh, Victor Edgesell, no goals, two assists for two points through four games at Rockford. Maxim Shalinov, uh, six goals, two assists for eight points in 17 games in the KHL. Adam Boquist, first round pick from this past year. No goals, four assists for four points in seven ga- through seven games for the OHL London Knights. Uh, another young defenseman, Nicholas Bodine. One goal, five assists for six points through six games for QMJHL Drummondville. Philip Kurishev, four goals and eight assists uh, for 12 points in 10 games for QMJHL Quebec Remparts. Um, he was one that really impressed me watching that prospect tournament, so... Someone to keep an eye on there. And then another one. This one, actually, we have some news updates on this one. Uh, Mackenzie Entwistle, it's four goals, three assists, good for seven points through nine games for the OHL Hamilton Bulldogs. And just today, Tuesday, signed a three-year entry-level deal with the Hawks for a 925K cap hit, and that runs through 2020-2021. So, Never know when you'll be seeing Mackenzie Entwistle. Remember, he was part of that return from uh, trading off Hosa's contract, Henestrosa and Osterley, to uh, the Coyotes over the summer. All right, well, that does it for prospect and injury reports. Uh, now we're looking at the week ahead. Um, we got Thursday night, home against Arizona at 7.30. Saturday, on the road at Columbus, 6 o'clock. Uh, Sunday, home versus Tampa Bay. One of those great 6 o'clock starts, as Eddie O would say. And Tuesday, the 23rd, um, home versus Anaheim at 7.30. Um, That kicks off the stretch of Thursday through um, the next seven games over 11 days there. So uh, we'll probably record uh, mid-next week, get an update on those ones that I just listed. Um, I'm excited to see, uh, obviously, Crawford Thursday night. That's the big thing that's all on our minds. But I am really excited for the Saturday-Sunday contest. First of all, it's a back-to-back, so we could be seeing our first uh, goalie switch up there. I know it's been straight Cam Ward so far. Um, But Columbus, uh, Artemi Panarin didn't play against us in the uh, preseason so in two matchups with Columbus. So I'm excited to see um, what he's going to bring because I feel like he's got a little chip on his shoulder. I mean, I don't think there's any bad blood between him and Chicago, but you know, wants to show off against a former team. Um, what are you guys looking forward to this week? 
Just looking forward to Hawks hockey being back and none of this five days off nonsense like we yeah, were discussing earlier. <laughs> these off days are ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I, don't, I get it. I don't like I don't like going five days without Hawks hockey. It really puts a damper in the season. I mean, I mean, I know we have some some playoff baseball to watch, and there's always football and all that other stuff. But uh, we get back into hockey season, things start to get rolling, and then we get a, a period like this. It's like, oh, come on! I just want to watch, you know. I want to watch the Hawks play, and we were talking about it, like I said, a little bit before we uh, we started recording. Um, who made these schedules? You know, it, it just seems like <laughs> we go on these stretches of like five or six games through you know eleven days or whatever, and then get five days off. Um, you know, that's that's not good for the team. I don't think um, you, you want to keep them fresh. You want to keep them moving. You want to put the last game behind you and focus on the next one. Um, coming in versus Arizona, this is uh, one of these trap games, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. You get a team like Arizona, who is traditionally not, you know, not a team that you would expect to have, you know, a very competitive game with. Um, and then you you come off of five days of rest, and you should be geared up to go. Uh, but I would rather see an opponent like you know Toronto or you know somebody who's you know actually. Uh, really good team to to get you amped up for. You come in versus Arizona, and you're just like, ah, yeah, we've got this. And you know, I, the, the Hawks have fell victim to some of these games before, so I'm I'm curious to see what they do on Thursday versus Arizona. I feel like it's a trap game. I feel like this could be one of those games where you're like, shit, we're down three nothing in the third. Where are the Hawks? Um, so I, I'd like to not have that happen. Um, Saturday, Sunday, Columbus, Tampa Bay. Uh, I'm I'm more focused, I think, on the Sunday versus Tampa Bay game uh, than I am versus Columbus. I know the Artemi Panarin, uh, watching him play is uh, is always fun, and, and like you said, he's got that chip on his shoulder. But I'm curious to see what they do at home coming back from Columbus versus a, a team like Tampa Bay. I think that'll be a good uh, good test for the Hawks to see if they can compete with a team with the speed that Tampa Bay has had. Um, uh, on a day where they're they're on short rest and they had mm-hmm. to fly you know come back into Chicago, uh, so I see Sunday as a as a real big game for the Hawks. If they can show up on Sunday, uh, you know this team is is here to play. So that's that's one of the games that I have uh, very high interest in. And then always Anaheim, uh, one of the teams that I dislike the most. Um, Ryan Getzlaff, uh, not a big fan of him. Uh, but uh, Tuesday versus Anaheim, uh, we'll see what they can what they can bring to the table. You know, Anaheim's going to be out there trying to uh, to hit people, play a physical game, uh, mm-hmm. and we'll see what the what the Hawks do with that. I know St. Louis plays a physical game too. Uh, they had they didn't really have too much trouble with them, but I think Anaheim brings it a little bit more than that. So uh, we'll see how the uh, the speed and the talent uh, plays up with that. It'll also be interesting, like you said, to uh, see what they do with the goalies. On the uh, the back to back Saturday Sunday, you know yep. Cam you know Cam Ward's gonna get one of those. Uh, assuming Crawford's back, he's gonna get the other. Um, so we'll see what they do. I could see a Thursday Crawford, Saturday Ward, Sunday Crawford, uh, Tuesday Crawford is is my guess what they'll go. Um, yeah. But um, Anton Forsberg hasn't gotten a start, and like you said, they're not gonna carry three goaltenders. Um, I'm also curious to see if Crawford is unavailable if they toss an Anton Forsberg start in there. 
uh, just to see what he can do and, and open up a trade possibility maybe um, on Thursday. That's that's one of the things that I kind of have maybe uh, I'm not not too sure that that's going to happen, but if uh, possibility yeah. if if Crawford isn't ready to go on Thursday, I would expect Forsberg in net uh, just to kind of showcase him um, because I think that moving a Cam Ward three million dollar salary is kind of hard. Uh, but you gotta use you gotta use Forsberg if he if he hasn't played so far, and you want to do something with him, uh, he's got to get a start in net uh, just to kind of showcase. So we'll see what happens there. Yeah. So yeah. I sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off, but just the uh, the point going back to the back to back Saturday Sunday. You know when uh, the first weekend of the season we were at. Uh, St. Louis on the Saturday and then coming back home for that Sunday against Toronto. I know we didn't win that game, but, you know, showed some resiliency late to tie it up twice within the last minute and a half of the game. So um, the Tampa Bay is going to be another test like that. Uh, really high skilled, fast team. Um, uh, that'll be a good measuring stick for the Hawks on Sunday night. Yeah. And, and just like we were, you know, you guys, I think both hit it on the head really well. Um, Something interesting to note, I mean, I think the the thing with Forsberg is that it's, he is the only option to move because both Cam Ward and Corey Crawford are both under no-movement clauses. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I don't think Forsberg makes it through waivers uh, because there's plenty of teams out there right now that either have some shaky goaltending or – have some injuries at the goaltender position. Uh, think one, the LA Kings with Jonathan Quick right now. Um, so he's he likely gets claimed off waivers. So mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if if they did try if 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 tomorrow's news comes out and Crow is not ready to roll, um, which I wouldn't be totally surprised if that was the case. If they were like, eh, he's he's not he's not quite there yet. Uh, maybe they do throw in a Forsberg start. Maybe even even if it is on Saturday, a little. Uh, Say hey, uh, Columbus! Uh, this is what the, you traded us, and uh, we're about to trade them away. You know, yeah. that's what we do. But um, I was guess you know if they if they want any return on him, he's got to show at least semi well. Otherwise, you're going to trade him for you know a bag of pucks and and maybe two rolls of tape if you're lucky. <laughs> uh, so it, it'll be interesting. I'm I'm just excited for consistent hockey. Uh, I agree, though. I think the Tampa Bay game will be the most intriguing. Uh, but I'm personally excited about Anaheim, uh, just from the sheer fact that this is a, a shell of themselves out in Anaheim. Uh, pun completely intended. There are a bunch of wounded ducks right now. Uh, Kessler is, you know, not himself. Uh, he's coming off of some really severe injuries over the last year and a half. Uh, I think Getzlaff is a little banged up right now. I don't know if he's been playing the last couple games, but I know he's he's been kind of in and out. And Corey Perry is not Corey Perry that he used to be. Um, you know, so there really are kind of limited. I, hmm. I dislike Corey Perry with a passion, so I'm right there with you. But you know, there they really are just kind of limited now offensively to guys like uh, Case, Raquel, Hedrick. I mean, that's kind of your top dogs. I mean, Getzlaff, as long as he's healthy, is still going to produce. But, and, you know, and then defensively, that's kind of their bread and butter. You know, they have a lot of good young talent on that blue line. Obviously, John Gibson in that. He's, he's very young. They've locked him up long term. Very good goaltender when he's hot. Um, but I think the Hawks, 
on at least from a forward perspective, match up significantly better against Anaheim than they did, say, two years ago. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of intrigued to watch that game just because of all the question marks that are out there right now with Anaheim. Yep. All right. Well, a lot to look forward to for the Blackhawks this week. Uh, a lot of news tidbits. Finally, a lot of games to look forward to. So we will be back next week with episode six. And I just wanted to touch, since this may be the last podcast recorded while Anton Forsberg is still on the team, a huge shout out to him for putting um, the late Swedish DJ and producer Avicii on the side of his mask. Um, if, If you haven't seen it, go and check it out on the Blackhawks Twitter and Instagram. It's a great tribute to one of my favorite artists of all time. So that does it for episode five of the Four Feathers podcast. I am Johnny Nani for Tony Marchese and Ron Luce. Go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Go Hawks.